Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, not exactly. Dr. David Hilden is away today. A a rare Sunday morning off here on Healthy Matters. And Denny Long is traveling. He'll be back in two weeks. But we have very good news indeed. Dr. Renji Verghese joins us from Hennepin Healthcare. Uh, Sleep in the spotlight this morning, and uh, uh, particularly obstructive sleep apnea and other sleep disorders. So if you can uh, keep your calls and texts to that topic, we'd certainly appreciate it. Here's our number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And that's good for calls and texts here on Healthy Matters, brought to you by Hennepin Healthcare, Sunday mornings between 7.30 and 8.30. And Dr. Verghese, pleasure to meet you and, and visit with you, and you've been on the program before. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here, and nice to meet you, Steve. Yeah, um, the, the study of sleep. It, it seems to me that this is relatively new, that once upon a time, uh, sleep was just sleep, and uh, people were more concerned about diet, exercise, smoking, etc., but uh, I remember doing my sleep study almost 25 years ago, and it seems as though this is moving more and more to the center of one's health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, we sleep roughly eight hours in a 24-hour cycle. So we spend a third of a day sleeping, which is roughly a third of our life. So it must be somewhat important to have to do this for the third of our life. So what sleep does is it helps us restore our bone growth, muscle repair. It helps our brain uh, function better. And if we disturb our sleep, for example, by having obstructive sleep apnea, which fragments our quality of sleep, all of those things can go out of whack. Uh, We might feel more sleepy during the daytime. Our immune systems might be a little shot. Um, And especially our cardiovascular system. It does a number on our heart and brain if we're not uh, sleeping well through the night. And th- this is something that's relatively common. Absolutely. Sleep disorders are exceedingly common. If you look at obstructive sleep apnea alone, the percentage can be a, at least 10% in men and about 4% in women. And mind you, women start to catch up to men after menopause because those uh, protective hormones, estrogen and progesterone, and when women start to lose it after menopause, they start to uh, catch up to men. And obstructive sleep apnea is uh, almost a, a mechanical condition or a dysfunction, if you will. Um, I had it explained to me 25 years ago, but what is it in general? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's sort of a mechanical obstruction in the upper airway. We have a lot of soft tissue in the back of our throat, our tongue, the little uvula, the little punching bag that hangs in the back of our throat. When we sleep at night, our body relaxes. When our body relaxes, our muscles relax. If our muscles and our soft tissues relax, especially in the back of the throat, as we try and take a deep breath in, that airway in the back of the throat might narrow and it might temporarily close off. 
If it closes off, we're not getting oxygen into our lungs or to our heart or to our brain. And the brain says, hey, we don't like this. We need this oxygen thing, and it might temporarily awaken us from this closure, this upper airway closure, and we start breathing again. That's the cycle of an apnea. If that happens multiple times throughout the night, not only is our sleep fragmented and we wake up feeling tired and we're not uh, awake during the daytime, but over time, uh, this is wear and tear on the heart and the cardiovascular system because the heart has to work harder in, in an environment where it's deprived of oxygen. And there are a lot of treatments and the treatment's relatively straightforward if one can tolerate it. And I would assume in recent years there's been a lot of changes. I, I was on a big, bulky old CPAP machine, and that, that's changed a lot over the years. But there are other treatments now. You're absolutely right. I mean, CPAP is the gold standard for uh, treating sleep-disordered breathing. When I say CPAP, it's CPAP, Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. And what a CPAP does is it blows warm, gentle, humidified air through the nose or through the mouth and the nose as it pneumatically or it keeps the airway open temporarily or, or keeps it awake, uh, uh, open through the night. Um, and the machines have gotten better. They're much more quiet. The masks have gotten much more uh, small and comfortable. But like you said, CPAP's not the only treatment. Not everyone can tolerate a CPAP, and that's fine. Uh, we do have devices, what we call mandibular advancement devices or oral appliances, which snap into the top teeth and bottom teeth when you sleep and moves the lower jaw forward. The lower jaw is pulled forward when we sleep. The tongue is thus pulled forward, and that temp- opens the airway. What are, in, in general, some of the symptoms of someone who has obstructive sleep apnea so people can maybe seek out medical attention if they feel like they you know may have this and need CPAP or some sort of other treatment yeah you know sometimes the the patient comes in by themselves knowing that they may have sleep apnea and might be their family doctor but it's almost always the family member or a bed partner that says hey I hear you snore very loudly you snore yourself awake the patient may even snort themselves awake and be aware of it. They may have dry mouth in the morning because they're snoring through the night. They may have a sore throat in the morning because they're, all that tissue in the back of the throat is vibrating. Um, during the daytime, they may feel sleepy. They may feel really groggy in the morning. So, And occasionally people that have sleep apnea also have morning headaches. They usually dissipate. So dry mouth, loud disruptive snoring, uh, non-refreshing sleep, those are some of the hallmark signs of sleep apnea. So if someone has or or someone they know has symptoms, sleep partner, et cetera, um, would you start with your family doctor and then get a referral to, to a, a sleep specialist like yourself? Yeah, I think the family doc has an excellent opportunity to check a couple of things. Neck circumference is a good example of uh, people that have a higher neck circumference, men with a neck circumference greater than 17 inches, women with a neck circumference of 16 inches, weight, uh, they may be able to flesh out some preliminary symptoms, rule out a couple of other things. Then they may just refer directly to the sleep doc. But a lot of the times people are self-referring to a sleep uh, specialist because they're just much more aware of it now. And the the diagnosis on your end, uh, what what is that like? What What typically happens? People hear sleep study. What exactly does that entail? It's a really good question because things have changed uh, in the past few years. 
Uh, almost all of the time, if we need to diagnose obstructive sleep apnea, we need to do some sort of a diagnostic test to rule out whether someone has it or not. And if they have it, how severe is it? And if it's severe enough, does it require a CPAP or maybe an oral appliance? Uh, but the mainstay treatment is something called an in-lab polysomnogram. So what a patient does is they come into our sleep lab. We paste wires to their head. We might put a couple sensors near their mouth and their nose, a couple of uh, bands on their chest and their abdomen, and then we ask them to sleep there overnight. And most often not, they do. And that gives us the opportunity to look at exactly how they're sleeping, look at their brain rhythms as they're sleeping, looking at the oxygen in their blood, looking at uh, how many times they may be holding their uh, breath when they sleep. And if we count that they're holding their breath a certain frequency throughout the night, we might come in and try a little CPAP to see if we can correct it that morning. And usually what I like to hear in the morning is if someone is having sleep apnea and I come in and I see the sleep study and they've, in the middle of the night, have had an opportunity to use a CPAP and I see them the next morning and they say, Doc, this is, I haven't had sleep like this in a long time. I know that I can fix their sleep apnea. And and that that's got to be a great feeling because you know what this will do. I, I I know for me, all those years ago, it was a big changer. I was having voice trouble. I was exhausted all the time, and in otherwise pretty good health. I mean, I I I didn't have anything else going on in my life, and it 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 was a game changer for me. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, I've heard uh, that people just say it's, uh, it's it's the best night of sleep I've had in years. It, thank you. It is. It's very satisfying to do this because um, not only are we improving the quality of people's life because they're more awake and alert and thinking a little bit better, but we're really starting to look at sleep apnea as a chronic condition, just like uh, high blood pressure is a chronic condition. You may not know that you have high blood pressure early on in life, but over time, that will cause a lot of wear and tear. And the same thing with sleep apnea. You may not know that you have sleep apnea early on. But over time, that wear and tear starts to uh, result in problems like cardiovascular problems, heart attacks, sudden cardiac death, heart failure, difficult to control blood pressure, strokes. And if we can get people treated early on, we significantly reduce those risk factors. And I suppose it's in the same category with other things that have a cumulative effect like smoking, poor diet, lack of exercise. Absolutely. I I like to say that... um, Diet, exercise, and sleep are one of the three mainstays of uh, having a healthy life. So uh, it's really important. I wanted to just add one component here. In addition to doing sleep studies, we offer home sleep studies now. So this is not available more, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But uh, for the peop- for patients that are candidates to not need to have to do a sleep study, these are folks that they're slam dunk sleep apnea cases. We don't need to get all the data that, that we usually need. Uh, we can send them home with a device at home so that, that they use, and we can make the diagnosis at home. And they drop the device, we can look at the data and make a, and go from there. Dr. Renji Verghese joining us in studio. Uh, sleep disorders in the spotlight today here on Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden is away. Denny Long returns in a couple of weeks to the program. You're always welcome to call or text. Once again, uh, sleep in the spotlight on this Sunday morning, 651-989-9226. Certainly 
obstructive sleep apnea is not the only sleep disorder. Uh, things like insomnia and, and other disruptions, whether it's children, uh, adults, or or older adults, that there's a lot of things that could be going on that disrupt one's sleep. Absolutely. I think you hit it on the head. Insomnia is our second most common uh, diagnosis in the sleep center. Uh, and insomnia is just a fancy word for not being able to get to sleep or stay asleep or feeling like you've not had a good refreshing night of sleep. And it's really complicated sometimes, insomnia. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, you're drinking too much caffeine way too early before bedtime. And as we know, caffeine is a stimulant and it doesn't allow us to relax our brain before we get to sleep. Sometimes there might be medications that, uh, that are involved in not being able to get to sleep. But by and large, insomnia is a condition where our mind, essentially what is happening is our mind is not able to relax enough so that we can sleep. And that's really what it is. It's not that the the part of the brain is responsible for sleep isn't working. It's just the parts of our brain that are too awake is overactive and is too overactive and, and not able to allow the rest of our body of our mind to relax. So what we do and we uh, evaluate for insomnias, again, like I said, people have difficulty sleeping uh, for hours. I can't get to sleep for hour, uh, hours. Or I wake up in the middle of the night and, I, and my mind is racing or I'm problem solving or I'm thinking about things that I can't relax enough to be able to get to sleep. That's insomnia. Uh, what we try and do is, is assess whether there are other primary sleep apnea or sleep disorders like sleep apnea. Sometimes a condition called restless leg syndrome might make it difficult for people to fall asleep. And restless leg syndrome is just a condition where people have this restlessness in their lower extremities and their limbs right before bedtime that keeps them from falling asleep. And once we rule that out and we find that it's really an individual who has over time established the bed with thinking and ruminating, maybe looking at the clock and getting frustrated, we try and address those things. And there's a treatment for insomnia called cognitive behavioral therapy. It's an evidence-based program, and we have a psychologist at HCMC, uh, a talented psychologist, Samantha Anders, uh, who does the CBTI program. And it basically retrains the brain to associate the bed with sleep and not all the other things that intrude our mind when we try and uh, fall asleep. So we treat insomnia with this uh, treatment called cognitive behavioral therapy. And occasionally for these you know, intermittent insomnias, these early insomnias, we may use uh, medications, very effective medications, but we try and reserve medications. Now, we don't want to get to a point where we're just medicating people for, for sleep because that's unnatural as well. And it seems to be an area where people do a lot of self-medicating, trying to get to sleep, a lot of over-the-counters, a lot of uh, home remedies, if you will, and, and people need to be wary of that. I think you're absolutely right. So the, the over-the-counter stuff, people buy sleepy time tea. I, I don't really mind those sort of things because they're fairly harmless. But the over-the-counter supplements like um, diphenhydramine, anything that might contain doxylamine or diphenhydramine, these are the things like Benadryl or I don't want to use any brand name markets, but these contain uh, chemicals uh, that can affect our ability to think. And we're starting to see that these over-the-counter medications that contain these chemicals can cause memory problems later in life with people. There's a correlation. It's not necessarily causation, but we're starting to see people that use these medications early in life may have some memory problems later in life. So we want to avoid using these over-the-counter supplements uh, and try and get to things that are a little bit more natural. 
Uh, the text line is already busy. The phone number is 651-989-9226. You can use that number for phone calls or text. Dr. Renji Verghese in studio. Once again, uh, sleep in the spotlight today. And, of course, uh, uh, he is our guest all morning long. We invite your calls and texts here on Healthy Matters, brought to you by Hennepin Healthcare here on CCO. It is Healthy Matters brought to you by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. David Hilden is away, but we are pleased to be joined in studio by Dr. Renji Verghese, practicing in the area of sleep medicine at Hennepin Healthcare. Text line again, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And the phone line as well, uh, very simple if you want to call the program once again, we're talking about sleep and sleep disorders, 651-989-9226. From our text line, once again with Dr. Renji Verghese, is I have mild sleep apnea and wanted to try the mandibular device but have concerns about the long-term effect it might have on the jaw and other dental problems. Are there side effects like that? That's a really good question. So as I was mentioning earlier, for people that are candidates for a mandibular advancement device or what we call MADS or oral appliances, and, and just to describe them again, they're, they're basically two pieces of, of acrylic or plastic that snap into the top teeth and bottom teeth and gently move the lower jaw forward to keep the airway open. Well, if you keep the airway open for extended periods of time during your sleep period, seven, eight hours, you might put a little bit of pressure on the muscles uh, in the the back of the jaw, the temporomandibular joint in particular. Uh, And some people feel a little bit discomfort from that in the morning, but there are exercises to reduce that. And uh, we've got some talented dentists, Dr. Dennis Haley and Dr. Tony DeAngelis, who make these uh, devices, uh, and they're well aware of... uh, those sort of side effects. Now, the long-term effects of having these mandibular devices, there are some people that do have uh, changes in their bite. They'll have some malocclusive problems, and, and their teeth may sort of not align like they did when they before the mandibular device. These are rarely, you know, a problem, but they can cause people to bite the end of their cheeks or what have you. But they're exceedingly well-tolerated, especially the ones that are built right now, and they're an excellent... Um, accompaniment to people that don't or can't tolerate a CPAP machine. Another from our text line at 651-989-9226. Please explain the difference between central sleep apnea and obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. So like we had mentioned earlier, obstructive sleep apnea is really a mechanical obstruction. The airway is closing off. Uh, and we're uh, we're unable to breathe. We can't get air into the back of the into to the lungs from our mouth. Uh, central sleep apnea is a little bit different. It's it's much more rare. We probably see two to five percent of our patients have central sleep apnea, and that's a condition where our brain isn't sending signals to our lungs to take a breath in, even though the airway is open. Uh, and central sleep apnea can occur in people that have cardiac conditions like heart failure. Uh, it can occur with certain medications like opioid medications. Uh, it's, it is treatable. Uh, we don't worry too much about central sleep apnea unless the, the oxygen dips are really deep, and then we can treat those, of course. 
Uh, from the phone lines, we have Jim in Oakdale. Jim, you're on the program. Good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, question, deep sleep. Uh, I go to sleep, a tree fell on the house, I don't wake up. Uh, is, is deep sleep ever a problem? Well, thanks, Jim. The, the the answer is no. Deep sleep is actually something that we want. And maybe I could do a little bit of education on the stages of sleep. Right now I'm awake. This is the wake stage. We have two different types of sleep, non-REM sleep and REM sleep. REM sleep is rapid eye movement sleep and non-REM sleep is non-rapid eye movement sleep. A lot of people tend to think that rapid eye movement sleep is the deep stages of sleep. In fact, it's not. It's a, it's the stage where we dream. Uh, if I put you in an uh, MRI scanner and I looked at what your brain was doing when you were in REM sleep, it would look almost like you were awake because our brain is very active when we're dreaming and we're thinking. So our brain is actually kind of awake when we're in uh, REM sleep. In non-REM sleep, we... Uh, have different stages too, N1, N2, N3. N3 or non-REM 3 sleep is a very deep stage of sleep. This is the sort of uh, restorative sleep that people describe. Uh, if you could imagine being on the edge of a beach and the beach is sort of the, the, the wake stage, uh, being in N3 is like being on the bottom of the ocean. It takes a lot to wake people up from N3 sleep. It takes a lot of time for people to get out of sleep and really know what's going on after they come out of N3 sleep. So it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. We have much more on the way. We're coming up on the news break at 8. Sleep in the spotlight. Dr. Renji Verghese today on Healthy Matters brought to you by Hennepin Healthcare. Each and every Sunday morning between 7.30 and 8.30, we have so many texts. We have a number of folks waiting on the phone lines, and we will get to those after a brief break here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Thanks so much for joining us. Denny Long is away for a couple of weeks. Dr. David Hilden taking the week off as well, but we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Renji Verghese, a sleep specialist at Hennepin Healthcare. We've already had a lot of calls and a lot of texts on the program, and we're going to jump right back there uh, very shortly. The phone number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226, and we're going to try to get to as many calls and texts between now and the end of the program at 8.30 as possible. We talked about CPAP at the beginning of the program for obstructive sleep apnea. And Paul from Andover joins us on the line with a bit of a follow-up on that. Paul, you're on the air. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, I'm fairly well, fairly well versed in sleep apnea. I had a CPAP machine. It gave me continuous air pressure all the time. I couldn't tolerate it. Tolerate it. Well, we've had baby monitors for years that, you know, monitors when the baby will stop breathing. Why can't a CPAC? Why can't a CPAC machine be monitored? To, monitored so when you stop breathing, it will sense it and then give you a shot of air. And once you stop breathing again and shut off, so you're not getting continuous air pumped into you all the time, which you don't need, only when you stop breathing. I don't understand why we can't make a better CPAC machine. It's <laughs> a good question. We don't have a machine that does this. We do have machines that will vary the pressure during the night. So if you're not uh, requiring an, a, a certain pressure to 
pneumatically keep the airway open. It won't uh, deliver anything higher than that. If you require lower pressures, it'll deliver that pressure. And we call these APAPs or automatic tri- tri- automatic positive airway pressure versus a continuous positive airway pressure. I, I could see physiologically the one problem with just shooting a, a air when the, the the patient needs it is we might not be able to sense it early enough. And two, the air pressure that might be required to keep that airway open um, might be too disruptive to the individual sleep and it might wake them up. I don't think anyone's ever really looked into it in that way because most people have been able to tolerate the APAPs or the CPAPs, but it is something to consider. Um, there are other options. We talked about the dental device. Uh, there are some surgical options a- as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's good to talk about it. I think the majority of people can be treated with CPAP or a mandibular device, but you know, there are people that just are not able to do those things, and we need to have better solutions. We always think about weight loss. We think about maybe keeping the head of the bed elevated. Alcohol or excessive, especially excessive alcohol, before bedtime can relax the upper airway. But if we can't treat these things with our conventional mechanisms, we have surgical options. Uh, and surgical options, what we used to do is what we call tracheostomy, where we'd put a hole in the throat. We don't necessarily need to do that anymore because we do have some effective treatments that can control sleep disorder breathing. One of them is called the the mandibular advancement device where uh, a maxillofacial surgeon who we have at Hennepin can uh, readjust the top jaw and the lower jaw, move it forward. That's fairly curative for a lot of individuals that cannot tolerate other therapies. We'd call this a sort of a salvage therapy. There are other types of therapies that we don't usually – uh, do any longer, uh, but that may include uh, clearing out the nose or cutting out the uvula. Uh, there's a device on the market now called Inspire, and that's a neurostimulator. It, it attaches to one of the nerves in the uh, tongue, and uh, it senses when someone's not breathing, and it will deliver a nice stimulation to the nerve, which moves the tongue forward. And it's good for people that have, you know, not severe, severe sleep disorder breathing and are in within a certain BMI class. So uh, beyond CPAP, there are options as we move down the line. It just it kind of depends on your circumstance. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Let's go to the phone lines again. Let's bring in Jason and Oaktail. Jason, you're on the program. Good morning. Good morning. I have very long, complicated, detailed dreams, like I'm going back to college or back to an old job, and I wake up feeling like I've lived a lifetime and I'm exhausted, even if I had a long night's sleep. The dreams are making me tired. Jason, you have what's called, and I'm not going to diagnose you here, but this sounds like something called epic, epic dreaming. Uh, And epic dreaming is exactly what you are describing. Long, drawn-out, exhausting uh, dreams. Some of these dreams are sometimes just very commonplace, doing you know menial activities, walking. Uh, uh, they don't have to be complicated, but patients wake up feeling ex- exceedingly exhausted. We really don't understand epic dreaming all that well. But like I was saying a little bit earlier, dreaming is a very complicated process. It's a very active process. It's a very different process than our other stages of sleep. And it's almost like uh, the brain is awake when we're dreaming. So if you can imagine, 
your brain is very, very active throughout the night. And it might explain part of the reason why it's, uh, you, you feel exhausted. And interestingly, people don't just say that they're mentally exhausted. People sometimes say they're physically exhausted after these uh, epic dreams. We don't know what causes this, Jason. Uh, and we, it might be due to some types of – sometimes it's due to medications that may cause vivid dreaming. Uh, but uh, it's just uh, not something all that well understood. And it's, uh, if you want to be evaluated, come and see us. Oh, we we could talk for hours. Uh, once again, Dr. Renji Verghese, uh, we have so many calls and texts. And we're going to try and combine some of these uh, in the absence of time. Uh, one thing that's come up frequently on the program, Dr. Verghese, is melatonin, uh, something available over the counter. What are your thoughts on melatonin? Uh, melatonin, just uh, as you know, it's a uh, it's a hormone that's secreted by a part of our brain on a on a on a rhythm. It's a it's sort of secreted according to what's called our circadian rhythm. Uh, it's like a trigger for the brain to say, "Hey, it's uh, start to uh, it's start to it's time to get to sleep now." Uh, and melatonin over the counter is not FDA regulated, so we don't know what we're getting when we actually do buy melatonin. Uh, some people swear by it and say it helps them get to sleep. But really what melatonin is doing is where it's trying to resynchronize the brain to our circadian rhythm. So the people that might really benefit from using melatonin are the people that are described as night owls. Night owls have difficult time getting to sleep at a quote-unquote normal time. Their bedtime, their natural bedtime might be midnight or one in the morning. So what melatonin can do if it's taken at a specific time at a low enough dose is it could resynchronize the brain to try and make you feel asleep a little bit earlier and awaken the brain a little bit earlier. So melatonin has its uses. Uh, it can't be used at a high, too high of a dose. Uh, we're not too sure what you're getting when you're going to the, uh, the supermarket because it's not FDA regulated. Uh, and, you know, what else I've heard is people are using, in addition to melatonin, CBD. Uh, and I know we've had a caller about this. And CBD, uh, if people are unaware, is a uh, constituent in the, the cannabis plant. There's two really main uh, constituents in the cannabis plants. There's Delta 9 THC uh, or THC, which is the psychoactive component of uh, cannabis. And then there's cannabidiol or CBD. Uh, CBD, you can purchase uh, online. You can, there are stores that, uh, that uh, sell CBD. And what people have been describing is it helps them relax before bedtime. It also makes them feel a little bit sedated before bedtime. Uh, there aren't any good long-term convincing data that this works. Uh, there isn't a lot of convincing data that it hurts. Um, and I can't you know, provide any recommendations apart from I'm hearing a lot more people saying that it's been uh, helpful for them and uh, uh, I, I'd i like to listen and learn a little bit more rather than just kind of saying a blanket, we don't know anything about it. Quick break. We have more sleep in the spotlight this morning on Healthy Matters brought to you by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Renji Verghese in studio will go to more texts and calls uh, here on the program in a moment. Healthy Matters brought to you by 
Hennepin Healthcare on a Sunday morning between 7.30 and 8.30. Dr. Hilden is away. Denny Long will be back in two weeks. Dr. Renji Verghese, sleep specialist at Hennepin Healthcare, joining us. And uh, the phone lines, the text lines, overwhelm. Once again, we're, we're trying to combine as, as many as we can. And one that's come up frequently, particularly on our text line, that uh, shift work, people who work odd hours, maybe they have a part-time job, they're up early on the weekend, uh, they, they sleep in sometimes, uh, third shift workers. I'm, I'm sure you you've see a lot of this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is a big problem. So it's, we're not naturally designed to have alternating shifts. We usually are sort of stuck in one thing or another, and it's hard to vary from one thing to another. Jet lag is a really good example of that, right? If we go across the country or to, a, to an international country, it takes a while for our brains to try and resynchronize and train uh, to the new system. And if we're alternating shifts, maybe doing a night shift one day, then a day shift, nurses, by the, for example, have this problem. Doctors will have this as well uh, and other uh, professions. Our brains just don't have time to resynchronize to our normal rhythm. But our body is craving rhythms, our, is, is sort of a set pattern. And if we don't have a set pattern, our sleep might get affected. We might wake up when we don't want to wake up. We may feel sleepy when we don't want to feel sleepy. Uh, and what we're seeing is that people that do shift work over extended periods of time, they have negative medical consequences. There's a study that did uh, that looked at nurses that uh, worked the night shift for years, extended uh, night shifts, and they were at higher risk for breast cancer. So we're not entirely sure. I mean, we do know that we have to respect our sleep, but I think what we need to do is start to identify what, what, am, what am I attuned for? What am I optimized for? Am I someone who can you know, naturally work at night? Or, and if I'm not, it may not be the right choice for you. So uh, I think we need to listen to our bodies for that. Uh, same thing with having children. Uh, people that have children, uh, especially young infants, are waking up like exceedingly often throughout the night, and they're getting sleep deprived because of it. Um, these things are temporary. Temporarily, you know, the kids usually uh, optimize their sleep by around six months or so, uh, but that can lead to chronic sleep de- deprivation. Um, yeah. And I, I would assume you look back fondly on uh, your residency <laughs> and being a bit sleep deprived in medical school. Well, this is a big problem. In fact, uh, the residency programs no longer have us working for 130-plus hours per week. That's what we, what we used to do. Uh, they have cut down those hours because what they're concerned about is having problems and sleep deprivation because of people that are sleep-deprived. Now, look at uh, the Exxon Valdez oil spill, the Chernobyl accident, all associated with sleep deprivation. Uh, and this hits on another thing that we see at the, the Hennepin Sleep Center is uh, truck drivers that are mandated by their the, by the Department of Transportation to be evaluated for sleep conditions if they have a certain criteria. Uh, and they've got to be evaluated and make sure if they do have sleep apnea, they've got to use a CPAP machine. It's a hassle for the drivers, but there's a reason why they're doing this is to keep them safe and to make, other, uh, make sure other people are safe. But... Uh, we try and make it as easy as possible. If someone doesn't need a sleep CPAP, we, we make a 
recommendation that they don't need to use it. But but it is something that can impact work. If you are diagnosed, uh, once again, you need a note from the doctor to be able to work in those circumstances. And that's an important component of this. I see pilots. I see tr- sure. uh, truck drivers, uh, people that operate heavy machinery. They're being evaluated for a possibility of having sleep disruptions, especially sleep disorder breathing. Uh, we have a few minutes left in the program. Let's go to the phone lines again. Melissa and Blaine, uh, you're on the program. Hello. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I'm actually calling on behalf of my husband. Um, he has lifelong um, snoring and uh, not very good uh, sleep habits. And he has been evaluated multiple times, and they say that it is not sleep apnea. Uh, however, now, since all of these years of not getting good sleep, he's gaining weight. So now they're blaming it on having a larger than 17-inch neck. So how, what does a person do if they don't have sleep apnea um, to get a restful night of sleep? I know you've talked about melatonin and such, which he's tried all that. Well, all right, Melissa, thanks. Yeah, it's a good question. So. In addition to obstructive sleep apnea, sometimes what we do see are people that have snore-related arousals. So they may not have frank, obvious obstructive sleep apnea, but subtle sleep apnea where the snoring is disruptive enough to create uh, changes in their sleep-wake cycles. Some Occasionally what I do is I do empirically treat people or I, I, I test out whether CPAP could be helpful for them, and if it does be, is if it's helpful for them, they you know they get to continue using it. Um, other than that, I I I don't know his specific case, so would, I think uh, another evaluation would probably be recommended. And I would assume with any medical condition, some are pretty straightforward, and others are are more complicated and and require more time to get to the bottom of. I remember I was easy. I was in, oh boy, your classic obstructive sleep apnea. Here's a CPAP. And 25 years later, I'm doing great. And it helped a great deal. I guess I was easy. Absolutely. the, The majority are very, very straightforward. We have, we're lucky because we have a team of sleep neurologists, sleep psychiatrists, sleep pulmonologists, uh, and we have case conferences at Hennepin every week to discuss exceedingly difficult cases. Um, and that's not a problem. We just try and work through it. And sometimes we can uh, all the time. And, you know, we have ways of sort of addressing that and, and uh, talking through that. If people have heard the program this morning, what's the way forward? We talked at the beginning of the program, uh, maybe starting with your primary care physician and, and moving forward, what do you recommend, doctor, if people are having trouble with their sleep or they know someone that's having sleep difficulty? I think the primary care doc is the, the, the way to go. We are happy to see anyone that walks in through our doors. Um, my recommendation is just listen to your body. Uh, listen to what your body's telling you. If you're sleepy during the daytime, if you're irritable, if you're not waking up feeling refreshed, uh, think about sleep as the third leg of of good night, uh, uh, just as important as diet and exercise. And it it is one of those things where uh, you mentioned earlier in the program that people should be wary of of over-the-counter or self-medication in this area, that it, it could be masking something more serious like obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah, people, you know, it's interesting. People that have 
Uh, 30% of people that have insomnia, difficult to sleep, uh, able to sleep through the night, uh, have untreated, undiagnosed sleep apnea. So you may not know you have sleep apnea and you're just using the medication to continue to you know help you get back to sleep. So I'd say don't use medications for extended periods of time. It's uh, it's not a good idea. Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you uh, with so many calls and texts. We apologize to those people that uh, didn't make it on the air uh, today. But once again, Healthy Matters presented by Hennepin Healthcare each and every week here on CCO. And can I say one last thing, sure. Steve? Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, one of our nurses who just retired uh, from our sleep center. She's been there for 38 years, Connie Ulovic, who's probably listening right now. Connie, thank you so much for the uh, years of service that you've given us. Once again, he- uh, Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare here on CCO. Dr. David Hilden was away, but Dr. Renji Verghese in studio, a sleep specialist at Hennepin Healthcare. We have much more coming up here on a Sunday morning at CCO. Right now, 67 degrees. Looks like some sun today. Uh, we could hit uh, the low 80s. More on the weather in a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.